can sing about his grace all day, amen. amen. Glory to God. Our children are dismissed to Kids Dome at this time. Glory to Jesus. If you would open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John chapter 11. As we continue celebrating the grace of God. John chapter 11. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. John chapter 11 and verse 1, when you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. It's funny how Jesus connects sleep with death, and I'm just going to go wake him up like a casual thing, right? That's pretty amazing. I'm just saying. I may not say that later, so I'll say it now. Verse 12 says, Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about take, uh, talking, uh, t- um, taking rest and sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Verse 16 says, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also that we may die with him. Jesus, we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for your grace that we sung about this morning, God. We thank you because we know that it is real. We thank you because we know that you are working in our lives, and we are so grateful for that, Lord God. I thank you this morning for the opportunity to share your word with your people, and I just pray that you would arrest our hearts, that you would arrest our minds, Lord God, that you would speak to us today, that you be glorified in the preaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that we would not be idle hearers of it, but that we would be doers of it. And I pray above all things, Lord God, that your word would bear much fruit in our lives, that we would bring you much glory and honor. And we pray this all in Jesus' good name. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So if you do not have an outline, please raise your hand really quickly so we can get you an outline. Um, It's been a nice summertime, summer break. Keep your hand up so that we can get you those outlines. Obviously, two reasons why we do the outlines. The first reason is so you can take notes. You can follow along with me in the beginning of the sermon. And then this week, guess what we start? We start Connect. Can someone give God a hand of praise? Right, we, <clears throat> summer's over, and so we're starting Connect Up. And so even though we're going to change some things up for this week and next week, we'll be able to utilize our outline to have some conversation in our Connect Life groups. And so if you are not part of a Connect Life group, please hear what I'm saying. <clears throat> If you're not part of a Connect Life group, it is extremely important to us that you do get connected with the body, okay? And I say this because it's so important that you realize that Christianity is not meant to be done by yourself. Can I get an amen to that? You're not meant to just hang out. You're not meant to just come to church and then go home and do your own thing. That's not what God created us for. God created us to worship him, to glorify him. He also created us not only to revel in the fact that we've been reconciled to him, brought back into a relationship with him, but also so that we would revel in the reality that we have been reconciled to one another, that we have been brought into a relationship. And so it's very important that we grow together. I like to say that you're not really sanctified unless you're dealing with other people. Amen? 
Because their, you know, their unholiness rubs off on you. I'm just saying, you know, it's their, their unholiness. Not you, because you're holy. You know, so anyway, you know, when you get around other people and they rub you the wrong way, that's when you really get to see the fruit of the spirit or the lack thereof. Hello, somebody. Right? And we're able to help each other grow in grace. It's not to condemn one another. It's to help each other grow in grace. That's what we want to do. And so we'll continue on in our, in, our, in our sermon series, The Real Jesus. And today... We're going through the Gospel of John chapter 11, and we'll go through this entire chapter together because it's really all one story. Well, most of the chapter, not all of it, but we're going to get through this. But um, what, I, what I want us to look at here, if you look at your outline, this retelling of the resurrection of Lazarus literally comes days before Jesus' crucifixion and gives us an amazing picture of salvation by grace. This is probably, this, this has actually taken place within a couple of weeks of Jesus' death, okay? Just so you can kind of get a, get a perspective of when this is happening in the whole timeline of Jesus' life. This is toward the end. This is going to be the last miracle that Jesus does in the Gospel of John before he goes um, to the cross and resurrects himself. And so this is a very important time here. And I want you to hear, hear what I'm going to say today because um, I try to encourage people biblically, right? And what I mean by that is I don't want to just make you smile just to make you smile. Hello. I don't want you to just feel like, you know, everything's going to be all good because sometimes things are not going to be all good. Hello. I'm just saying, just sometimes it's like that. Sometimes things are not going to be all good. But can I tell you something? God still loves you. Amen. God still cares about you. God is still walking with you. He's still working with you in your life. And so I, I don't want to just encourage you just to make you smile and feel good. You know, like, well, I feel good today. I, that, that's not my goal. My goal is that you will be biblically encouraged. But when I look at this story, what I find is such encouragement in the whole um, outlaying and what happens in this story. Like, there is some amazing stuff that goes on. And can I tell you something? God did not make a mistake when he inspired the writer of this book, John the Apostle, to make sure that this story is in here for us to do what? To encourage us and to allow us to see some things that can really help us to understand the wonder and the beauty of our God and how he deals with us, his sons and daughters. Can I get an amen to that? So the seventh and final miracle points us to Jesus' deity. So we see the deity of Jesus. Remember, we're talking about what? The real Jesus. We want to get a picture of who Jesus really is because there's a lot of different definitions out there of who Jesus is. But the gospel of John is there to help us believe, right? It should also strengthen our faith, faith as it did the disciples' faith. So the disciples were strengthened as they walked through this. We're strengthened because what? Because we read through this and we, our faith should be built up. And it also shows us that Jesus has power over over death even before he resurrects, which is a beautiful thing. So we see Jesus is, this is not um, the only resurrection that is in the gospels, but this is one of three besides Jesus' resurrection. But we see that Jesus has that. And so continuing on in the outline, as believers who are called to live for the glory of God, that's the title of the message this morning, for the glory of God, in the midst of, a tri of trying times where our faith is being tested on many fronts, both publicly and more importantly, privately. And so what I'm saying is that our faith is going to be tested in the public arenas, and that's going to happen. But can I tell you something? The public arena testing, I, I think, is one-sided. You know, it's, it's one aspect, but I think the real trouble is the testing that we experience by ourselves, the testing that we experience in private, the testing that no one else gets to hear about, that no one else gets to know about, the testing that's not on the news, the testing that's not there, the testing that is happening in your faith, in your relationship with God. That testing is, to me, the most important testing. God cares that you get through this testing in your life and that you grow in your relationship with your Savior. And so in this historical event, continuing on in your outline here, we, we can find true hope in a God, hear me, who is present, a God who cares, and a God who is sovereignly working out all things for his glory and our good. Are you hearing me? You should underline that. Because one thing is, it, it's so important when you, when you think about that, it is that God is sovereignly, sovereignly. He's not nervous. He's not worried. Things aren't out of control from where he is seated. It may look like it's out of control for us. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But from where he is seated, things are not out of control. Everything is working according to his perfect plan that is going to be worked out. Now, that doesn't mean that every bad thing that happens is in his perfect plan, okay? I'm just saying, right? I mean, there we have to give some, you know, some credence to sin and the results of sin, right? I mean, gee, God did warn Adam and Eve. I mean, he told him something like, if you eat of this tree, uh, you're going to die, right? So that means that it wasn't the plan. Hello. 
I'm just saying, like, I think God wanted Adam and Eve to experience the tree of, of life, right? Experience that, not the dying part. Like, that wasn't like, hey, I want you to know God didn't want that. He said, but there's a consequence, right? So we see some consequences here. But can I tell you something? Even in the midst of consequences, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus was slayed when? Before the foundation of the world. So what that means is, even though that consequence came here, God already had the answer. Amen, somebody? That's what I'm saying. God is seated on a throne, and so he's not shaking. He's not worried. He is in control, right? He is there. He's going to bring to pass his purposes. Last paragraph in your outline. We must realize this. The enemy will do all that he can to destroy our faith and hope in God, which is why the apostle Paul admonished Timothy through whom we are admonished to fight the good fight of faith because while the struggle is real, our victory is secure. See, we have to realize this. I, I don't know. I don't know. So I, I don't know if, ever, if if people get this, but this is not called like you know a good nap. Hello, like just take the good nap, right? Like you get saved, and you're gonna take a nap for the rest of your life. It's gonna be all good, right? No. He said a good fight, right? There's, there, there's, there's opposition. Like, we don't just, you know, we, we don't just fight because we just want to fight. Like, there's opposition coming against us, right? And so we realize we're to fight this good fight, that we're supposed to go forward. And so here's the big idea. Try to give you a big idea, like one thing that I really want to um, zero in on. And it is this. As we, I'm going to say the whole thing, and then I'll, I'll chop it up a little bit, and that way you can have a chance to write. But here it goes. As we live for the glory of God, hear what I'm saying, we must believe it is never too late to see the glory of God. Let me say that again. As we live for the glory of God, we must believe that it is never too late to see the glory of God. See, as we're living our lives to bring glory and honor to Jesus, as we're living our lives to bring praise to his name, we must believe that it is never too late, that no matter what we are seeing in our lives, it is never too late to see the glory of God. That our job is to walk as we, as we walk in obedience to Christ and obeying what the word of God teaches us and doing what God has admonished us and commanded us to do and, and us reveling in the glory as we sang this morning of the grace of God, reveling in that reality of what Jesus did for us on the cross, reveling in the amazing work that God did, that God, because he is so good, because he is so loving, because he is so kind, he came to this earth to die in our place, to suffer in our place so we could have this relationship and reconnect us to him and his greatness and his glory. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's pretty benevolent. Hello, somebody. That's pretty loving. That's pretty gracious. That's something that we can get excited about. And as we do that, then we do what? We live for his glory because what? Because we are living this life not to bring glory to ourselves, not just for our own comforts, not just for us to have everything we want. We are living this life for the glory and the honor of Jesus because of what he did for us. First thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God is often not glorified when and or how we desire. Let me say it again. God is often not glorified when or how we desire. Now, when you read this story here, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of it's it's perplexing, right? Because as you read it, let's just read the first couple of verses here, and, and we'll break this down. So it says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, uh, or the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was. And look what this says. It says, therefore, the sisters sent to him, sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he, he whom you love is sick. Jesus goes on and says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, look at this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we know Jesus loves them, right? Now, look at the next verse. It says, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Did you catch that? All this explanation of how much he loved them, how special they were. Sisters sent a special report. Like, you know, and what you don't see here is you don't see the sisters ask Jesus, like, Jesus, can you come heal our brother? It was kind of like they were slick, right? They were like, Jesus, the one you love, he's sick. Like, I know you can do it. I'm just let you know he's sick. You just do what you want to do, right? So they just kind of threw it out there. Jesus like, oh, well, this is good. 
But he doesn't jump like immediately, right? Like when they want him. He, he waits, you know, a couple, he waits a couple of days before he does anything. And then he's like, all right, now let's go, all right? I don't, know, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem very loving, right? I'm just, can we just be real for a moment? Like, do you, did, did the writer get that right? Did he really love Mary? Did he really love Martha? Did he really love Lazarus? Hello, right? Did he really love them? And the question is an emphatic yes, absolutely. More than we can ever imagine or understand. And the reason why he didn't run to their immediate whim or to their immediate cry, the reason why he didn't do that is because he loved them so much he wanted their faith to be built at a different place. Are you hearing me? And see, sometimes, I want you to get this, if God just responds right at that moment for you, your faith will never be taken to the place where God wants it to be. Are you hearing me today? You see, sometimes we want God to answer us right here, and God is like, no, I can't answer you right here, because if I answer you right here, you're never going to get right there. You're never going to get to that place where I need you to be. And so we sit there, we cry, we boo-hoo, you know, and, and some of us, you know, we go into fasting, we go into prayer, we get super spiritual when we need God right now. And then what happens to some of us, I'm just saying, not all of us, some of us, you know, after we don't hear God right here, then we start slacking. Then we get bitter at God. Then we get angry at God. Then we get upset at God, like God. And, and listen, I want you to understand something. I don't want to minimize some of the situations in our lives because I realize this. Some situations are difficult. I mean, some situations are hard. And, and I, I say this all the time as a parent who is, who is um, who's, you know, I have a teenage daughter now. I have a son. And, and what I always try to tell parents is this. As parents, you need to always remember something, and it is you need to remember the different stages of your life. Are you hearing me, parents? Now, this is just on a side note. This ain't got nothing to do with my message. I just want you to hear this. It does have something to do with it. But anyway, here's the thing. You have to remember the stages in your life. You know why? Because today, the stage that you are in, that I am in in my life, right, you know what I'm worried about? I'm worried about, like, the mortgage. I'm worried about the light bill. I could care less about what my neighbors think about me. Are you hearing me? I care less. I mean, I, I'm a lot, I, I would be lying to say that I care less about what I wear. I do care, care about what I wear, but not like I used to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't about a, a status thing, right? Okay? I'm, I'm just saying. Like, like you know, people, it's, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? As a teenager, guess what? Their mortgage payment may be that relationship that you're like, really? Seriously? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just, teenagers, can I get an amen? I'm just saying, can I get a teenager to say amen? Like, praise God. Like, you know, bishop, help a brother, sister, out, son. I don't know, help me out, right? trying to help you here glory to God but we as parents we have to realize that those things are serious right the reason why I say that is because in our lives in the different stages that we're in man look if for you know for a young person there's something that is big in their life that for us we grew past that that's what it is we grew past that and for some of us as Christians it's the same thing we grew past that and we see someone else in a situation right now you see how it all ties together we see someone else in a situation we're like man why are you why are you tripping over that God yeah they are there and God is trying to bring them here so why don't we pray for encourage why don't we be there for them instead of just thinking that we're better than them because we grew past a certain area in our lives hello and so I think that it's so important for us that we, that we realize in this situation, God wanted to bring their faith to a different place. He wanted to bring them to the place of belief. And I'm not just saying this. I mean, Jesus makes it clear for them that he does this. He says in verse 15, look at verse 15. It says, and I am glad that for your, for your sakes, listen to this. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. That's another good underlining point right there. For your sakes... I'm glad I didn't answer. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. So that you may believe. Now think about this for a moment. What did I just tell you? This is right before Jesus' crucifixion. This is like a couple of weeks maybe before his crucifixion. You don't think they should have believed already? Hello? I'm just think about this for a moment, right? They should have, they should have been like the greatest believers already. But there was obviously something lacking in their faith, and God is like, look, I'm going to bring you to the place that I want to bring you to. See, we're introduced to a relationship that Jesus had with uh, the Bethany family of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus that allows us to glimpse Jesus' humanity and his care for his friends. And I want you to be assured of something, that Jesus cares for us no less than he did for this family. Are you hearing me? Jesus cares for us no less than he did for that family. The same way that he loves them, he hadn't, he hadn't died yet for them. 
He died for us already. He gave his life for us already. He shows us the magnitude of his love. And so we need to know that he loves us. As we look at this story, we understand. Now, now check this out. We must understand this. We are finite beings. We are bound by time. We are limited by understanding. We are subject to emotions that derive from our circumstances. Did you hear all of that stuff, right? Like we're finite beings, right? Like we are limited by time. We are, we are limited in our understanding. And we, and we are subject to emotions that when situations around us are good, hey, man, we're on the high horse when situations are bad not so much hello but can I tell you something about your God and about my God our God is infinite hello our God works outside of time so while it seems like it's over it's maybe it's not you know I'm just saying just think about it that way you know he is unlimited in his understanding you know the Bible says something to the effect in the book of Isaiah it says that his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are higher than our thoughts are you getting me I'm just saying like God thinks differently and again I want to reiterate this and God is not subject to those emotions but he is sovereignly executing his will in our lives that are always for his glory and our good do not forget that all things work together for the good. Are you hearing me? All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Are you called according to his purpose? You know what the Bible says? It says all things work together. Not some things, not the feel-good things. He says all things, bad, good, what? It all works together for his glory and for our good. And the last thing I'll say on this is while every situation we face may not turn out exactly as we would like or when we would like it to be dealt with, we can know that God's glory is as unpredictable as it is undeniable. Let me say that again. We can know that God's glory is as unpredictable as it is undeniable. If you, if you read your Bible, you'll notice something. There's something that I, I, I never forget this. When I was reading, you know, through, through the book of Acts, and when I, first, I was a youth pastor at this time, and I remember reading through the book of Acts, and I noticed something when I got to chapter 2. And the, and, 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 and the book of Acts chapter 2 is where the Holy Spirit comes down in the upper room. And you're going to notice a word that is there when you go back and read it. I hope that next time you're reading it, you just see it pop out at you. And there's a word that is, it is this word. It's called suddenly. Say suddenly. suddenly. How on the earth do you have a suddenly when people are expecting I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, how could that just suddenly, like, all of a sudden that happened? Wait, I thought they were waiting for it, right? It should have been like, and as they prayed, the Holy Spirit came. No, and suddenly, right, there are those suddenly moments in our life where God, it's unpredictable when God is going to do this. But here's what I want you to get, is that if we will walk with God, we will see his glory. Are you here? If we will walk with him, we will see his glory. And listen, I don't want to give you false hope, so I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not telling you that your situation is going to turn out the way you want it to. Sometimes God's glory is not in the situation turning out the way you want it to. Hello. But if you will walk with him with one purpose in mind, that I'm going to live for his glory. I'm going to live to honor him. I'm going to live to give him praise. I promise you this, you will see his glory. And it will be undeniable. I was talking to Alex yesterday in our men's meeting. And for you, for you guys that came, I mean, thank you so much. For you guys that couldn't make it, we really missed you guys. And we're really praying that God does a great work within our men. Um, but Alex was telling me, his, he, he, didn't get, he didn't get into the whole story. We were talking, and he was like, man, this whole situation with my job, he's like, this was all God. He's like, one day I got to sit down with you and tell you the story, right? And so the point that I'm trying to make is when God does something, listen, y'all, it's undeniable. It's not like it could have been me. No, it wasn't me. There's no question. It was when God moves, when God does something, there was no question. It wasn't because, hey, can I say it like this? It's not because I had such great faith. Hello? Are you hearing me? Hello? You know, it's not because, I, because I, I, I prophesied over my life so much. It's not because I spoke the right words. Listen, sometimes we're speaking the wrong words. I, I'm, I'm just talking for me because I know y'all are holy. Maybe I'm not. But check it out. What I know is sometimes I'm not saying the right words. Sometimes I'm not praying the right prayers. Sometimes I'm not praying long enough. And God just decides to do something amazing just because he is God. I can't tell you how much my life has been just revolutionized as I began to understand the gospel of grace and understand how much God has done and realize that when I look at the cross and I look at what Jesus has done, the reason why I want to preach the gospel every week is because, first of all, the leader of, of you know, preachers, I would call the apostle Paul, he's like, look, I, I, I purpose to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. He wanted to make sure that I was out there, but it's because this, it is because I want you to grasp, I want myself to be reminded of the glory of what 
what God has done because that propels us in every area of our lives. That moves me to faith because I realize that God never had to do anything for me and he chose to do something that I could never do for myself. And so I move with gratitude and I want to bring him glory and honor and I want to live for that. And the reason why I want to proclaim that is because I pray that that same gospel grips your heart. I pray that that same gospel grips your life and that you don't ever get tired of hearing the glory of the gospel, but that you are overwhelmed by it continuously so you can realize, man, if I just walk with him, I'm going to see his glory. It may not be like I want, but I'm going to see his glory. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, death or willingness to die is often a precursor to seeing the glory of God. I'll say it again as you write it down. Death or a willingness to die is often a precursor to seeing the glory of God. Now, I, need, I, want, I want you to understand something. When I first became a Christian, there was a message that I heard. Now, it wasn't when I first, first became a Christian. It was probably maybe about maybe a, a 10 months after being a Christian. I'm going to explain to you why I used to hear this message so much. Well, you'll probably understand when I tell you why. But there was a young lady that, that I was interested in, right? I didn't know that Elaine Quinones was going to be my wife, but at that time I was interested in this young lady. So I became friends with her. I didn't do boyfriend-girlfriend thing. I didn't even know what courting was. I just knew that until God spoke, I wasn't going to ask her to be my girl. I wasn't going to be holding her hand. I wasn't going to be kissing her. I wasn't going to be doing any of that stuff because that, she wasn't mine. Amen, somebody. Okay. So as friends, right, you do what? You go to your friend's house trying to get to know the will of God. And can I tell you something? As friends, this is just a little another side here. We were always in the living room. Amen, somebody. We were always in view of somebody. We were never alone. Amen. Because even though you're trying to be spiritual, your flesh is still there. Hello. Come on now, right? (laughs) But there was a message that her mom and her dad preached to me till I was blue in the face. Die to yourself. Now, that would make sense, right? A young boy coming after a young girl, die to yourself, boy. <laughs> die to your flesh. Amen, somebody, right? You, 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 are, are you get, that's going to sink in for some of y'all later. Die, you got to die to yourself, right? Because what? Because if not, then I'm living for my, my flesh. The point is, that message wasn't just for a teenage guy who was interested in some young lady. That is supposed to be the message of the gospel to the church always, Death, listen, I I know, I know we want to hear about all the things. And and listen, I want you to know something. I we we God allows us to experience and enjoy plenty. Amen. Somebody, I'm not saying that you have to live in poverty in order to be holy. That is that that's a that's another extreme to the gospel. Are you hearing me? There, there's like two extremes that we have in the gospel world today, and one of them seems more holy than the other, and it depends on who's hearing it. One of them is listen, if you're not rich, if you're not healthy, if everything's not going perfect, then you're not holy. That's a prosperity gospel. False. That's garbage. But let me take it to the other extreme. The other extreme is, if, if, if I'm holy, then I don't have anything. I only have the things that I need. I have the bare necessities. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't buy new shoes except every three years, if that. You know, or I wait for, I heard one guy, he was like this. He wouldn't get a new car unless someone gave it to him. He was like, if God wants to bless me, then he'll give me a new car. That's the way that he was. Can I tell you something? That may sound more holy, but that's not biblical either. There's a beautiful balance that God gives us, and I wish I could show you the scripture right now. I can't show it to you right now, but where God gives us all things to enjoy. Say enjoy. It doesn't mean to indulge, right? It doesn't mean that I'm going to just do everything I want with my money because guess what? Ain't nothing yours. Hello. It's not your money. It's not my money. But God allows us to enjoy those things, right? So we, right, as a people, have to have this mindset. But here's, here, here's, here's what, what we have to come, to come come to grips with. We have to come to grips with, and I, asked, I, I think I posted this question on Facebook or Twitter or something like that the other day. And, you know, Jesus said to come after him, take up your cross to deny yourself. And so my question for you this morning is the same one I posed a couple of days ago, and it is this. When was the last time you denied yourself anything for the glory of Jesus? When was the last time you said, you know what, now nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rather do this for the glory of God. Nope, I'm not going to buy that. I'm going to rather do this for the glory of God. Nope, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to rather do this for the glory of God. When was the last time that that happened? 
See, because that's what it means when we talk about dying to ourselves, right? So we are, we are called to die to ourselves. That should happen. And so when we look at the story here, look at verse 16 really quickly. It says this. It says, then Thomas, now mind you, the disciples asked him, they're like earlier on, they're like, man, Rabbi, in verse 8, they said, Rabbi, they've been trying to kill you. You want to go back to the place where they're trying to kill you? Jesus breaks it down for them. Basically what he's saying to them is he's just letting them know, look, here's the deal. Right now is the time for me to go over there. This is the time, and that's what he's communicating. This is the right time for me to go over there. That's my paraphrase, but that's what he's saying. And what does this disciple say? Look at what he says in verse 16. Thomas, now y'all know Thomas because later on, y'all, y'all, y'all going to remember him when we get back there to the end of this book. Thomas is like, nah, man, I got to see the scars. I got to put my hands in them to believe, right? So we know him as doubting Thomas. That's how we know Thomas. But look at what Thomas says here. Before he gets over here in the other side of the cross, then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I want you to notice that because Thomas is the guy that is known for doubting, but he was the first one in this scenario that says, yo, ride or die. That's what he said. He said, we are all in. He's like, you know what? If he's going, we're going. We're going to die with him. That's what he said. He, he, he comes out of his mouth. He what? Like, and, and, and it's, and it's kind of like, you know, he, he's, he's, he's like one of those negative guys. He's like, well, we're going to die. Let's go die. <laughs> one like positive declaration. It's not like you are the son of God. It wasn't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I got delivered. It was none of that. He's like, let's go die with him. That was it. So it wasn't like he had this great faith that anything good was going to happen. But the point is, he was like, yo, let's go die. We're going to go die. We're going with Jesus. He's going, we're going. That's how it is. So the point is, he wasn't doubting here. He was like, he was sure he was going to die. But you know what happened? He's willing to die. And guess what he gets to see? He gets to see the glory of God. He's willing to die. He gets to see the glory of God. Let's keep reading here. We'll read down to verse um, 37. So verse 17 says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary, Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, now listen to this conversation, y'all. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, listen to this faith. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. See, we miss that stuff, right? Because we got to read through it. But she was demonstrating faith. At least it seems that way. Verse 23 says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now look at her reasoning. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Hold on. I thought you just said Jesus. Okay. Maybe, maybe it wasn't faith. I don't know what that was. But anyway, some kind of declaration there. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Positive confession, amen? Sounds good. Verse 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and, the, and comforting her, when they saw that Mary, that, that Mary rose up quickly and went out following her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, have had, would not have died. Sounds like they had a conversation, huh? You know, they were, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to throw this in here. I'm going to say this before I throw this in here. This is not in the Bible what I'm going to say, right? So don't be like, Bishop said this. I didn't say this. But I'm assuming they probably had a conversation like, yo, if Jesus would have answered us, if Jesus would have came, when we sent the message, Jesus could have come and healed our brother. I'm just saying, it seems that way. Maybe they didn't happen. I don't know, but they said the exact same words. I'm not going to call that coincidence. Amen, somebody. I know some people in this world, they try to play it off. Like you hear two people say the same thing like, oh, you never had a conversation? They're just so holy. Anyway, um, let's move on. 
really prophetic. I call that pathetic. But anyway, moving on to the next um, portion here. Verse 33 says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, we have, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Sounds like they were all having a conversation. They were all just talking bad about Jesus, man. I'm just saying, right? That's just, that's just my assumption. Like, these people are all, like, dogging Jesus. Like, Jesus, you could have been here. You could have done so much, right? And so Jesus in this situation, and remember, death or willingness to die is often the precursor to seeing the glory of God. And so Jesus already explained to his disciples they had to go to awaken Lazarus no matter the cost. And Thomas, who is known best for his doubting, is a voice, an example of divine devotion to be imitated as we seek to do what? To live for the glory of God. He was willing to die along with the other disciples, and as a result, they surely saw the glory of God. Now look, I want you to think about this for a moment, because at this point, by all accounts, the story's over. Are you hearing me? By all, now, now, now we know that there's like a few more verses, like 20 more verses left to the chapter. We know what's going to happen at the end of the story, but can I tell you something? They didn't. See, that, 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 that's sometimes the handicap for us, is that we can read the whole chapter. And, and, and so we don't put ourselves in that situation. But it's kind of like your situation where you're at right now, like, where is Jesus? Listen, the story's not over. Hello, somebody. You just don't know what's, what, what's going to happen over here. But you know what you do know? Guess who shows up? Jesus. That's what we know. Jesus shows up in the situation. And by all accounts... All bets are off. Jesus can't do anything now, right? Even Martha, who sounded like she had faith right in that moment, right? She, she sounded like, you know, Jesus, I know whatever you ask. And then Jesus is like, well, he's going to rise again. She's like, yeah, at the end, not now. That can't happen now, right? Like, there was no hope for that, right? Because, you know, we're going to find out. He was, he was already in this tomb. He, he's already in this tomb for four days, and so it's problematic. So the, 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 the thing is here, it's all over, but not so with God. See, that's why the gospel of grace is so important, because it does what? It shows us the power of God, because not only are we sinful, not only are we unable to save ourselves, but God is able to deliver to the uttermost because of what he did. That's the beauty of this. The beauty of this is, is that our God shows his power in this thing called the resurrection. And so we have this great hope. Most importantly, I don't want to miss this because this is so important. As Jesus makes a statement in verses 25 to 26, this is the fifth of seven I am statements here. And he says what? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, here's the thing, church. The resurrection sets Christianity apart from all other religions and gives us the assurance that we can trust Jesus, that anything that Jesus promises us in his word will, not might, will come to pass. Can I tell you something? This is what we need to become experts on. We need to become experts on what did God promise. Are you hearing me? That's a whole other sermon that'll take another hour. I know y'all want to go home and eat. Hello. But what I want you to get is I want you to think as you study your Bible, as you claim the promises of God, make sure you are holding on to promises that pertain to you and pertain to me. Because if you are holding on to wrong promises, if you are holding on to things that belong to someone else for another time, then there's a problem. Are you hearing me? You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be discouraged because what's going to happen? Your faith is not going to be met with God acting because God's not bound to that action. Hello. Just saying. The third thing. Repeat this after me. Obedience to Jesus aligns us to see the glory of God. Obedience to Jesus aligns us to see the glory of God. Let's read verses 38 to verse 48, and we'll wrap it up here. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, hold on a second. Just pause that for a moment. Jesus said... Take away the stone. In other words, Jesus is giving a command, right? He is giving them instructions. And look what happens. Mary, the confessor, right, the one that does amazing faith confessions, the sister of him who was, who, who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Look what Jesus says. Did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. 
You hear that? He's, he, he's communicating to her, and, and listen, she didn't, she didn't get the full revelation. I understand. But he's saying, I told you if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. And I love this because now verse 41, it goes, so something happened when he said that, and she decided to obey. And so the verse 41 says, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he had died, and, 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 and he who had died came, bound, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Verse 45 says, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. Verse 46 is a sad part. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do for this man works many signs? Look, instead of them bowing in worship, they go and get a whole group of people together and say, What should we do? Hey, let's worship. Amen. I'm just saying. That kind of makes sense. Right? This guy's raising dead people. Like, why would we not just worship him? Verse 48, it says, If, because they were so worried about this. Look at this. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. You know, that's terrible, right? And the Romans will come. Now, here's the problem. The Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They have this glorious Jesus standing before them, doing amazing miracles, and they're more concerned with their position. They're more concerned with what they get. They're more concerned with their status than saying, man, this guy does these great miracles. Let's bow down and worship him. Obedience to Jesus aligns us to see the glory of God. Jesus is, Jesus is ready. Now hear me. Jesus is ready to manifest the glory of God. And Martha shows us, now listen to me when I say this, how easy it is to make all the right confessions and still have a need to exercise faith. Are you hearing me? She shows us how easy it is. And listen, I'm saying this. She shows us how we can have all the right questions. Like, you know, in, 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 at Faith Dome of Fellowship, you can have gone through all the mentoring classes, right? You can know all the right answers. My, uh, my mother-in-law, Martha, the other, uh, a, a while back, some, uh, somebody came to her door and, um, and they, you know, they, they were evangelizing. And so when they came to her door, they were asking her all of these questions. And I thank God because we had just gone through the way of the master. And so my mother-in-law was ready to answer all of their questions, exactly how they needed them to be answered. Now, what am I saying? She had all the answers. I believe that she believes that she was communicating. But here's the thing. The reality is you can go through a class, you can learn a doctrine, you can learn the right words. That doesn't mean that the faith resides in your heart. Are you here? You could, listen, you and I could have been raised in church. We could have learned from the best. We could have read the best books. It doesn't mean that faith resides in our heart. Hear me. It is more than a confession of things. It is more than saying, yes, I believe, but it is exercising faith when God calls us to obey. Are you hearing me? When, when God calls us to do something. See, here's the thing. James says this, faith without works is what? Dad, if we desire to see the glory of God, hear me, we, we need to obey the Lord even, say even, even when we don't fully understand his plan. Are you hearing me? You see, it requires us to fully obey God when God tells us to do something. And here, this is what I, wanted, this is what I want you to get. I want you to understand something. God has invested in 66 books. Are you here? He invested in this. This is the inspired, not this Bible in particular, but the Word of God. This is the inspired Word of God. When I say that we need to do what God tells us to do, I am not talking about, you know, waiting for, you know, to hear a voice, you know, to speak to us. I'm talking about God has already spoken to us plenty. Hello, somebody. God has already made his will known to us plenty. My question is, are you obeying what he says from his Word? Do I believe that God speaks to you? Absolutely. I believe God speaks to me. He communicates. How on earth am I going to be led by a God who doesn't speak? What I am telling you is people are looking for God to speak to them many times to say what he's already said. Like parents, you know, parents, you know, the way we're supposed to raise our kids. Hello, somebody. That's in the word of God, is it not? I need wisdom. Yeah, you got it right here. Hello. 
There's certain areas that we don't need wisdom on because God has already given us the wisdom. The question is, are you diligent in the study of the word of God? Are you rightly dividing the word of truth? When it comes to work and being an employee, the scriptures speak to us already. When it comes to you know, marriage, the scriptures speak to us already. When it comes to how we're supposed to live our lives, we talk about this stuff that we wanna see the glory of God. But here's the thing, and this is my closing question. We talk about wanting to hear the glory of God, right? We, we, or, or see the glory of God. We talk about that. And it sounds really good, but here is the big and the most important question. And it is not do you want to see the glory of God, are you living for the glory of God? Because everyone wants to see the glory of God. How many people that I talk to and I'm like, man, you know, if if we're talking around Christian people, how many people want to see revival in the earth? Yes, rah, rah, we want to see revival in the earth and someone talks about this. But let me talk to you about your prayer life. Uh, I don't have time for all that. I'm just, you know. What, what, what about your word life? Like, are you in the word? Are you seeking God? Yeah, but I want to see the glory of God. No, you don't. Listen, I know that that's offensive, but if you want to see the glory of God, then you need to be in the place where the glory of God is going to be. And that's going to be in the place of obedience. That's going to be, the, be in the place of seeking God's face. There will be no revival. I told the men this last night, and I, re, and I really mean this. I read from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, I believe it is. And it's where, it's where Paul says, I wish that all men would pray all places with hands lifted up, without wrath and without doubting. And as I was meditating yesterday for our men, the one thing that burns in my heart, I want to see a movement of men of prayer. Are you hearing me? I want to see a movement of men that understand the power of God. A movement of men. And listen, ladies, I am not discounting you, but I, I, I need to talk to the men for a moment. I, I, I want to see a movement of men, men that are not just worried about, you know, doing the 9 to 5 or doing the 8 to 8 or doing the 10 to 10 or whatever the schedule is and working all kind of hours, but men that understand, man, look, I can work the 10 to 10, 12 to 12, whatever, but if I'm not on my face before God, I am not going to see the glory of God. If I am not on my face before God, my family's not going to be changed. If I'm not on my face before God, my neighborhood's not going to change. If I'm not on my face before God, I'm not going to see a move of the Spirit of God. Why? Because I must be a person, a man who is being molded by the power of God in the place of prayer. So that way my life molds others. That way my life changes others. That way my life brings transformation. That does not happen if I'm not spending time with God. It doesn't matter how many times you say, I want to see the glory of God. The question is, are you living for the glory of God? Are we living for the glory of God? Listen, God wants to do things in our lives, church. God wants us to see his glory in so many areas, and we have no clue because I think that we just sell them short. And sometimes we just think that it's enough just to come to church. It's enough to just hang out. But listen, I want to see a people that are so overwhelmed by God that they just begin to cry out to him with all of their heart and all of their soul. And listen, I want to be honest with you. There's, some, there, there's so many different things. There's so many different, um, there, there, there's so many hindrances to why we don't seek God. It could be that work schedule. It could be, you know, that I'm too tired. But, you know, you know can, can I tell you something? I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest. There is really one hindrance to us seeking the glory of God. And so we don't either, either, either A, we just don't believe in it, or B, we don't see our need for it. You know, because we, we have these cliche statements that we hear all the time. But there's a will, there's a way. Does it not apply to prayer? Does it not apply to seeking the glory of God? When there's a will, there's a way. Listen, I can come up with 101 excuses why I can't. Like tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to get up tomorrow morning. I'm telling you right now. I'm already thinking about tomorrow morning. I do not want to get up tomorrow morning. Why? I'm, I don't have to tell you why, but I'm going to tell you. I just don't want to. I'm just, I'm tired. I feel beat up, you know. I was watching the Mayweather fight. Ridiculous. I'm never going to do that again. Please hold me to that. Glory to God. Next time I'm at a place, and there's a, well, I think he retired, so glory to God. We'll never have to do it again. But anyway, the point is, I'm whooped, right? I've had some, you know, it's, <laughs> but here's the thing. I can give you 19 excuses. But you know what I'm going to commit to you right now? I'm going to commit to you that at 5 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, I'm going to be up on my face before Jesus. Because if I want to see some kind of revival, as a matter of fact, I'm going to text all you guys. Hello, somebody. I'm going to text all y'all at 5 o'clock in the morning and be like, rise and shine. Amen. It's time to seek the glory of the Lord. I'm just saying. Listen, I want to see the glory of God. We can make excuses. We can do that. But listen, we don't need to make excuses. <laughs> y'all going to put your phones on silent in another room. Y'all are in the flesh, man. I'm just... <laughs> glory to God, 530. <laughs> 
Listen, I'm just saying, I want to live for his glory. And I hope that you want to live for his glory. Because I want to see his glory. And I want to say one more thing about this story that I need you to get. Two more things. I'm sorry. I closed my stuff too quick. I got to say this because it's just so important. Although Mary and Martha were comforted because of the miracle that Jesus did, can I tell you something? The greater thing was that people believed. Sometimes, can I tell you something? I'm reading a book uh, talking about the gospel, and he talks about idols, and he talks about idolatry. And sometimes we want God to participate in our idolatry. Sometimes we're praying for good things for the wrong reasons. Those are idols in our lives. And because it's a good thing, and because we have a promise from God, hey, God, you got to do this. Is that an idol that we want God to bow down to? You see, it wasn't just about their comfort. It wasn't just about what they got out of it. It was about others coming to faith. It was about their faith being built up. And the last thing that's so important for us to realize that in this story, that we see such a beautiful gospel picture in the resurrection of, of Lazarus. Because Lazarus was dead. You know what the Bible says? We're dead in our trespasses. Are you hearing me? Dead means dead, right? We've gone through this before. I don't need to teach you what dead means. Dead means dead. Not breathing, not responding. If you go to a morgue right now, listen, you can get a, sh a shotgun, you can get whatever. And guess what's going to not happen? No one's moving. They're dead. We're dead in our trespasses according to the scriptures. That's what the Bible says. The beauty of this is, is that Jesus calls Lazarus. You know what Jesus does for us? By the gospel, he calls us into relationship with him. By his power, remember, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and he brings us. But then there's another part in the story that and this, this always stuck, stu stuck out to me. And it says that when Lazarus came forth, he still had grave clothes on. And Jesus' last words are, loose him and let him go. And the same way that we are bound in our sin, when we respond to Jesus, he really liberates us from the power of our old man. Amen? Amen. Come on and stand to your feet and bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you so very much today. We thank you because you are a good God. We thank you because you are a gracious, loving, merciful God. And Father, I thank you for my brothers. I thank you for my sisters. I thank you for your word that is powerful, God. And Lord, my prayer today is that we would be a people who truly, wholeheartedly live for your glory. For your glory, God. Father, I pray that you liberate us from the idolatry in our hearts. I pray that you liberate us from our flesh. I pray that you liberate us from our desires, God. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would help us to love the things you love, to hate the things you hate, that you would help us to commit our lives, Lord God, to seeking your glory, not your glory for us, but your glory for you, God. Father, I pray that you help us no matter what our situation is, to live firmly and fully for the glory and honor for the one who saved us. I pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.